This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. Citizens, welcome to the Fortress of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And we are the Cape Podcasters. And this is the show that's on of G-Man from Hell. Ah, G-Man from Hell. Maybe Bum-ba. that's- Was that, was huh? there a, a theme song that I missed? <laughs> if there was, I couldn't tell you. This movie just washed over me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same way. Like, this movie happened and I was nearby. Yeah, um, it's an hour. 38 minutes, I think it was? Yeah, yeah. On YouTube? 98 minutes. Oh, well, on YouTube, it's a little longer because there's ads every two minutes. Every two minutes, there's an <laughs> ad. And one of what I learned about YouTube that I really hate, but I get it, is that sometimes like they're like, oh, you could skip this ad after five seconds. But then you get that one bullshit ad, it's only five seconds long, Yeah, and I feel like duped. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, I can skip this? Thanks. Today, we are talking about G-Men from Hell, from 2000, directed by famous, should be famous director, Christopher Coppola. Oh, yeah. Famous the, director, The ghost of Roger Coppola. Ebert. He, he, he reached his bony hands down, and he gifted us with this feature film. And, oh boy. Oh boy, is it a film. Brian, I'm going to ask you a real stupid question. Oh, okay. Have you ever seen this movie before? Hell no. I have not seen this movie before. Dave, how about you? Nope, never even heard of it, even though Ryan from Experience Crime is like, oh, I think I might have heard of that before. I just want to call bullshit on him right here and now. <laughs> There's just no way. I don't know, maybe he closely follows the careers of several character actors. <laughs> I don't know how to tell you, I'm a big William Forsyth fan. I mean, who isn't? And Vanessa Angel, the girl from Kingpin. The girl from Kingpin, yeah. the <laughs> Appropriately, the girl from the TV version of Weird Science. That's a good point also. Also, you got Gary Busey's in this of for course. a short amount of time. And then Robert Goulet. Robert fucking Goulet. You're right about that. <laughs> I can't look at him without thinking of Will Ferrell. I can't do it. Okay. No, that checks From out. From SNL back in the day. Yeah. It's the best. <laughs> Can we please just talk about this thing and get it over with? Yeah, let's- Pull the bandit off real fast. Let's do this as quickly as possible. We begin as we always do. With actual comic book panels establishing backstory, it worked for Spider-Man 2, it works here. It doesn't work here. It doesn't work here. <laughs> it was nice that it was actually like part of the story, even though it's making me read speech bubbles. Yeah. I and it's like, like, oh, I need to care about this. Got it. Okay. It would have been better if I didn't need to care about that, and they just quickly recapped it after they showed it. Like, oh, that was a neat stylistic choice, but instead <laughs> it's important. And I went, no. It's extremely important. I feel like this is, I mean, the budget on this movie. Six million dollars. Six million somehow. I don't know where it went to, but I feel like they saved a lot of money doing the opening here with an explosion and gunshots and yada yada. Oh, just big time. You know, drawing it, going four color instead of live action. That would have been an expensive scene to film. Basically, two FBI agents are closing in on an important case when they're shot down in cold blood, gangland style. One of the agents yeah. has his wife and child also killed in a in a car bomb explosion that was meant for him. So, you know, things aren't great. No, it's it's bad. It's bad, in fact, for one of them, mostly. The other one just happens to be there, I feel like. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Sometime later, we find these G-men in hell. Hey, look, I did the thing. We did it already. Agents Dean Krept, played by William Forsyth, and Mike Mattress, played by Tate Donovan, Mattress is the stupidest name of all time. Mattress is such a stupid name, and they doubled down. They always use his last name. Oh, my goodness. And then the crept thing. I'm, like They just named him eventually, I feel like. It crept. Uh, the name crept up on them. Uh, ha, ha, ha. You could have wrote this movie, to tell you the truth. Honestly, it would have been better. stuff that's here. <laughs> they discover after some of his therapy sessions that Satan, played by Robert Goulet, has been using a crystal to go to Earth to do some soul stealing. Sure has. It's weird seeing Satan in therapy. It is. Talking about his feelings. It's, um, while these two guys who we just watched die in comic panels are just watching on. 
Yeah, they're just hanging out like, oh, Satan's going to therapy. Hey, Dave, I got something for you right now. It's very early. No yeah. way. Well, let me put you at ease. What I have for you right now is the only IMDb trivia fact. (laughs) (laughs) That I'm actually happy we're getting this thing out of the way. Yeah, there's only one IMDb trivia fact for this movie, and it is this. Robert Goulet's last on-screen role. Oh, great. What a way to go out. Yeah. In a blaze of, well, mediocrity, mostly. In a blaze. Because it's, they're from hell. Aha. Ah. Naturally, Crept and Mattress steal the crystal and transport themselves back to the land of the living, where they tend to do enough good deeds to keep themselves from going back to hell. Right. We're six minutes in, and these G-Men have now gone to hell and have escaped hell. Yes. So now they are officially the G-Men from hell. Correct. They got their name. Ah, good origin, I guess. I, sure. <laughs> it was at this point, too, where I recognized that it was six minutes, so I looked down and realized that this movie has 45,000 views on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that. Why? That is damn near nothing. We are a significant portion of the 45,000 views now. <laughs> Honestly, I'm surprised it's that many. So their first mission is to set up a PI business. They hit up Buster. Bobcat fucking Goldwaith. <laughs> yep. He's a loan shark responsible for their deaths, in fact. So that's that's a fun little person to go visit <laughs> when you come back to life. <laughs> it's funny. It's like we're we're settling scores that we should have settled much, much later in this movie already. Now, no, we're going to do it in seven minutes. Uh, they go to Buster to get some money to fund their new startup. Meanwhile, they're being followed by a man in a cheetah costume running along the rooftops. It's Cheetah Man, and he's played by Gregory Sporeleader, who you might remember from our Patreon episode on The Rock. I, I certainly do. <laughs> William Forsythe is in that as well. It sure is. Yeah, how about that? It's a reunion of sorts. It's The Rock 2, G-Men from Hell. Oh, God, don't do that to The Rock. Well... It's got another connection. It does, because Christopher Coppola is the brother of Nick Cage. Oh, my God. Doesn't that make this whole movie just make sense, though? No. I think it does. No, it doesn't, because it's one of those things where when you watch Nick Cage, it's like you have a certain talent for being Nick Cage. And then when you watch Christopher Coppola, you're like, ooh. It makes you wonder, (laughs) is what Nick Cage does considered talent? Yeah, he's got an Oscar. He's got a little little gold boy. Mm, That just means he's tricked some people, namely the Academy. (laughs) That's fair, actually. Cheetah Man's whole shtick is that evil must perish. That's it. That's, that's his only that's line it. in this whole damn movie. <laughs> Buster is surprised to see the agents since, you know, they're dead. And he goes to his safe to get money while the guys interrogate him about their deaths. Buster tries to pull a gun, but Mattress shoots him first with the gun that he found in the apartment. So now Buster is dead. Avenged. Done. Right. Mattress uses this gun that he says, oh, he has a gun in every nook and cranny. It's like, we didn't see you go anywhere but directly to the safe. To the here. one, the one pot where that he pulled, pulled the gun this? from. And we should say that the time period of this movie is unknown. Question mark? Completely unknown. <laughs> <laughs> because you have Williams Forsythe who's doing just this very, very film noir acting, and he's actually okay at the absolute best. Yeah. You got Tate Donovan, who is just the most annoying thing since John Leguizamo in Spawn. And the horniest thing since Danny DeVito in Batman Returns. Yeah, it's a real bad mix of characters here. But they're like dressed in like spats and stuff here. They drive an like this really classic car, but then you see like these 1990s cars driving around also. This movie's a disaster, man. It's trying to do the Batman thing where it's timeless. <laughs> Must be it. Not that it was a low budget directed by the other Coppola. Not even the other <laughs> The other other Coppola. Yeah. Yeah. Do we know if he's older or younger than Nick Cage? Don't know. Don't care. Let's keep moving. That's fair. Satan is... Is pretty bummed that these two are running around on Earth. Makes him kind of look like he's not good at his job. So he sends his minion, Weenie Man, played by Paul Rodriguez, <laughs> to bring them back to hell. I want to apologize to Tate Donovan for saying that his character was annoying. Because when I wrote that note, I had not yet met Weenie Man. So apologies to Tate Donovan, really. Yeah. You apologize to Hercules. Animated Hercules. Because when, right. you, when you you're see right. him, you're he's not imposing. Right. No, not even a little bit. <laughs> So I should amend what I said before. Weenie Man is the most annoying thing on screen since Tate Donovan in G-Man from <laughs> Hell one minute earlier. <laughs> Got him. Crepton Mattress take Buster's car and they find themselves in office. It's a dump. Meanwhile, the police are already investigating Buster's apartment. Lieutenant Langdon, played, of course, by Gary fucking Busey, is introduced to the case's lead detective, Detective Dalton, played by Zach Galligan, who is all of a sudden not just in Gremlins movies. 
Correct. And when this detective goes up to Gary Busey, he says, I'm your new partner. Also, heard you're gay. And then <laughs> Gary Busey, oh my God. his reaction is the most Gary Busey you're ever going to get. I love that he's just like, I'm actually super stoked to be working with a gay and then Gary Busey <laughs> throws him against the wall and says, I'm a sadistic leather master homosexual and I will tease your sensibilities. <laughs> and at this moment, I went, do I love this? Yeah. I don't know yet. I was like, is this <laughs> great actually? Or is that just Gary Busey, Gary Buseying all over the screen? Oh, he's Gary Buseying all over the screen. We forgot to mention that, that when they came back from hell, they, they popped out of a bathroom faucet oh, yes. into a bathtub. Of course. As you right. do. And that was all fucky because then Vanessa Angel walked in and she's like, what are you doing in my bathtub? You got to go. And they're like, okay. And that was that scene earlier. That's why it's easy to skip. Very skippable. <laughs> this movie, man. <laughs> Gary Busey, he's here. Gary Busey's here. He's throwing Dalton around. Dalton's going to get thrown around a lot in this movie. No collar is safe in this movie. The collars will be grabbed and you will be pinned against walls. Oh, That's yeah. It's just going to happen time and time again. Especially if you were in Gremlins movies. Exactly. Dr. Bufford, played by character actor David Huddleston. Goes, David fucking Huddleston. Yeah, it's true. This guy was the first he is person the big Lebowski. in this movie that I was like, this guy. Right. And he also plays Olsen Johnson in Blazing Saddles. He's got yes. some, some clout here. What is he doing in this movie? Well, I don't know. Maybe some of that $6 million found its way to him. Maybe. I mean, the guy had to live another 16 years knowing that he was in this movie. That's a problem. Yeah, but he's also the big Lebowski. He was only the Big Lebowski two years before this. Yeah, so it's easy to forget about this. Fair enough. That's the way you want to go with it. I guess. I don't know. He goes to warn Graydon Lake, who's played by Barry Newman. There's so many characters in this movie. Crept and Mattress are back from the dead, so Graydon fires him. He's like, all right, well, you're fired. I mean, though, that has nothing to do with whatever we're talking about. You're fired because I want to do stuff with plants and stuff instead of science. <laughs> He's sitting there trimming these bushes and whatnot. He's like, nah, man, I'm out. I'm good. He's basically like the gardener now. I need to make you look suspicious because, well, I don't have much to do for my character. (laughs) So Buffard goes to leave with Martin and Pete, who are both played by Charles fucking Fleischer. Yeah, it's Roger Rabbit himself. It's yeah, it's these two. It's a mostly mute weird dude and his overly animated hand puppet. It's so well done, though. It's incredible. It might be the best part of this movie. But then again. It's Fleischer, so it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Weenie Man has caught up with Crept and Mattress, and he tries to bring them back to hell, telling them that they don't belong on Earth. And to prove it, he goads Mattress into shooting himself in the foot, which doesn't hurt or bleed or nothing. And then Weenie Man just kind of goes, Right. All right, bye. <laughs> it's one of those things that, like, just letting you know there's no stakes in this movie. Okay, goodbye. Yeah, you guys can't get hurt, but uh, I'm also not going to bring you back to hell. <laughs> right. Their whole thing, the, the Crept and Mattress, the G-Men, from said hell. Their whole thing is like, we got to do good deeds to get to the good place, yeah, more or less. Exactly. And everything that they do is just, they're like, oh, I didn't kill that guy. That's a good deed. It's like, no, that's a nothing. But I, I see where you're going with this. <laughs> this thing is just like a bad version of 100 Deeds for Eddie McDowd. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's like, um, my name is Earl, but without all the humor and plot that makes <laughs> sense. Right. I guess Ethan Supley was needed and they just didn't bother. Yeah, oh, put him in anything. You seen him now? Yeah, oh god, dude's ripped. Guys, a, he's a fucking beef castle now. He it's is ridiculous. Beef castle is the most appropriate term for what Ethan Supley is now. I worked with him on Wolf of Wall Street, and he was just beef at that point. He has gained a full castle. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I forgot he was on that. In that words, that's what people say. <laughs> I forgot he was on that movie. I feel like if you're going to say someone was on that movie, then you have to go like transatlantic. Like, ah, he's working on that picture. Oh, yeah. For, oh, that, see, that sounds that right. That type of thing. Yeah. You're just 70 years too late. That's the problem. Always have been. That's always been your problem. That's what everyone says. Yeah. Have you ever tried to schedule anything with me? 70 years too late. <laughs> so the G-Men's PI office is all set up. It, they did it real quick. And they hire Marette. Is her name Marette? It's, it sure is. It's Carrie Wurr. From Eight-Legged Freaks, Anaconda, Sliders. You know who she is. Maybe not. Of course. She's kind of, she's dressed as, as a moving lady. Because yeah. Because she helps move them in. She just happens to be one Dave of the movers. Donovan gets really horny looking at her and goes, hey, you want to work here? How fast do you type? And she's like, 95 words per minute, stud. Can I wear a dress? And then she takes off the jumpsuit and she's wearing a dress because of course she is. Because of course. So now she's their secretary. It was 
done quick. <laughs> this movie has really funny moments, but they're thrown in just way too randomly to make sense. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent agree. So then there's a knock at the door, and Moret answers because she's the secretary, and it's Gloria Lake, Vanessa Angel from Kingpin, like we said earlier. From the bathtub that we eventually mentioned. <laughs> right, from the bathtub. And she's looking to hire Crepton Mattress. She suspects her husband is trying to kill her for her inheritance money. How did she find them? You got to figure they just started up this business. There's no way they're in the yellow pages yet. No. There's no way that they're online yet. There's no. just no way. They have, uh, they, they've been putting up flyers, which is what Mattress is doing when Crept finds Weenie Man. That's, I, I've tried to eliminate all the Weenie Man. Yeah. So she must brain. have seen Maybe one of the flyers why. and went, yeah, I, I guess I do need a PI because my rich husband is trying to take my money. Now, I heard what you said. <laughs> it is as confusing as it sounds. Yeah. I love that everybody in this movie is always suspicious of both of them for wanting the other one's money. Right, even though they're both completely loaded. <laughs> yeah. So, Crepton Mattress stow away the crystal in the office and go to investigate Graydon Lake. But before they arrive, Lake is murdered by a mysterious smiley face bagman. Now, when you say bagman, whenever I think of that, I think of a guy who like, oh, let's rob the bank. We need a bagman. The guy to run out of there with the money, yada, yada. This is an actual person with a paper bag over their head. Yeah. I with was, a smiley face drawn upon said bag. I was thinking like Spider-Man bombastic bag man. Oh, that's very good too. But yeah, this guy's got a paper bag on his head with a smiley face drawn on it. Right. He's a Jets fan. Killing old guys. Right. So when the G-Men do show up, they beat up the butler because they don't ask questions. They just beat people up because they're trying to do good deeds. I actually love that because they open the door acting all intimidating and- Tate Donovan just like, oh, well, how is a nice bang right in the face there. Yeah. And he starts kicking the shit and he's like, I'm the butler. It's like, that's lovely. That's actually a pretty funny gag. Yeah. And then and Mattress is like, you should wear a name tag. And then Crept is like, what do we want it to say? I'm Jeeves the butler? That's dumb. <laughs> but it's like such an aside and so such a throwaway line while they're walking up the stairs that it's easy to miss if you've only watched the movie once. And barely watched it at that. Yeah. I've watched it twice, so... Lucky me. Why? Lucky me. See, this is the downfall here is I do understand <laughs> that you watch it on your own the first time and then you watch it again to get the synopsis. And sometimes I have life just a little bit easier. Sometimes. <laughs> they go upstairs and they find Lake dead and they see Cheetah Man leaving the scene. So they start shooting at him and they find that Lake's eyes are sewn shut, which is weird, but they're just like, all right. Properly me, sewn shut. Let Dude, me you see it up close. this guy's eyes. They do that because you see the knife start pulling on the string and it pulls the eyelid and it's really, really effective in grossing me out. Yeah, me too. I did not like it one bit. I didn't know I had a thing against that until this movie. Yeah, I don't now, like I don't I don't care for that. Yeah. I don't like that at all. Eyes sewn shut, fine. Just don't try to undo it. That's the part <laughs> that's gross. I guarantee, like, if there were another IMDb trivia fact, anyone could submit them, by the way, so do it, is that someone said, like, eyes sewn shut is the opposite of Stanley Kubrick's eyes wide shut. Yeah, of course. Which is obviously the opposite of eyes wide open, which is just the way people are when they're awake. So Crepton Mattress find Lake's will, in which he has left $15 million to Empire Cloning and Genetics. I'm sure that's going to go nowhere. <laughs> You're right, actually. How about that? <laughs> And then the butler comes up and he finds Crepton Mattress with Lake's body. And he's like, oh, you guys suck. And he tries to shoot at them. And they escape by jumping out the window into the pool. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that happened. Cheetah Man is all sorts of messed up in the head now because he was shot or he saw a dead body or something. Who really knows? What we do know is that evil must perish. Of course. It's, that's the only thing he ever says. This movie, it just keeps happening. It does. Things just keep happening <laughs> in it. <laughs> You're not wrong. There's a thing where, you, in storytelling, you have an A plot, a B plot, and usually a C plot. And the A plot is the thing that's going to carry through. The B plot, you can start and kind of resolve, usually within maybe the first two acts or whatnot. Maybe you start the C plot in act two and you carry it through to act three. This just keeps introducing A plot, B plot, C plot, D plot, E plot. It just keeps going. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And we're not going to resolve any of them until the very end of the no. movie. And we might not resolve all of them. Not, we might not even resolve the majority of them, in fact. That's true. The butler tells Detective Dalton and Gary Busey about the men that broke in and killed Lake. And they're like, all right, cool. We have suspects, I guess. We don't know who they are, but we, we know that they wore a certain kind of coat. That's the only thing the butler says. He's like, I don't know if it's any use, but he was wearing a disagreeable plaid. It's like, why would that be anything at all? 
oh, they definitely must be Butler then, because he wears disagreeable plaid. <laughs> it's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. It's I mean, if it's like he had a scar over his right eye or whatever. That's something. At That's least. helpful. Like, yeah. He's got bad style. Well, I'll tell you this. He wears one type of shirt at the one time. We got to round up. We got to round up all the bad style boys in this unknown city. We got to round them all up. Style Get boy for life. <laughs> I'm Gary Busey. I'm a raging homosexual in this. Let's get all the style boys. I'll tell you who's bad. <laughs> At some kind of lab, Dr. Bufford, with the help of Martin and Pete, has transferred Buster's essence from his body into a pink robot. <laughs> Right, we've kind of doom patrolled in the worst way. <laughs> yeah, in the worst way. And also, note, it is not his brain, it is not his soul, it is his essence. Right. This is kind of like whenever you're playing a video game, and it's like, oh wow, you're getting all buffed up and strong, you can do your special real, real soon. You like work up your mana or whatever. <laughs> yeah. We're going to transfer that into a pink robot. <laughs> you are now Buster the Pink Robot. Your essence is oh, in robot. God. I am happy, uh, Bobcat. Didn't get killed off in the first five minutes, totally. Me but too. But he might as well have. Well, no, because even as the robot, he's still very Bobcat. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Well, no, because in this, he's not very Bobcat. He's not doing the Bobcat act as much. He's not like Scrooge-level Bobcat. That's true. He starts doing this voice! That's true. He does a little bit of it when they're at the uh, at the safe, but... but right. he... <laughs> yeah, he does, but... You're right. He doesn't full go full Bobcat. Bobcat's a treat. This is like Can you do a full Bobcat? No. Try. Give me a full bobcat. It's better than this movie. You doing this. I don't know how to do a full bobcat. <laughs> you just kind of start talking like full less. <laughs> so what you're saying is, did you want full bobcat? You just got it. <laughs> it's kind of like Roger Ebert giving a review. I hated this movie. <laughs> hated, hated, hated this movie. What happened to your jaw halfway through that review there, Dave? Uh, uh, you know, it fell to the floor because the movies were so good. I was in shock was that my jaw hit the floor. <laughs> right. Roger Ebert, famously known for the awe jaw, eventually. <laughs> uh, that was a lot. That was mean, is what that was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I bobcatted it. Yes. Bobcat. Anyway, so Bofford tells Buster that his robot body is temporary until he can master the cloning process and transfer his essence into a new body. Sure. Why not? They really put all of the exposition on David Huddleston in this movie. They really did. So when they get back to the office, Krept and Mattress realize that the will has been destroyed in the pool. And when there's no answer at Gloria's apartment, they rush <laughs> over and she's fine. Oh, man. The first thing I thought of with the will was like, please don't do it. We got the will. <laughs> like that type of thing. That's <laughs> appropriate. He's in the movie. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. I see Charles Fleischer. I get real excited because Roger Rabbit is such a goddamn good movie. Yeah. And oh, then there's this. It is. But and then that's not this. the point. But yeah, on their way back from Gloria's apartment, they um, they run into Buster, the robot, and he attacks them. But luckily, Cheetah Man is there, and he throws a microwave at him. Yep. That happens for sure. As soon as that ends, Satan shows up to bring them back to hell. And then they're like, oh, hey, we don't have the crystal on us right now. And he's like, all right, you have 46 <laughs> hours to get the crystal. And then you're all coming back to hell or else you'll be tortured by me personally for 10,000 years. In hell, by the way. In hell. Yeah. Of course. I'm gonna I, I like how they you. treat this crystal. It's like a, like a ticket to hell, more or less. It's not like the devil has like no power in this at all. Yeah. It's like, we escaped hell. What are you going to do about it? Uh, nothing. Right. I guess. Robert I Goulet. <laughs> <laughs> I just want my crystal back. <laughs> Which clearly I actually really like the the pocket watch gag that they have. Oh, yeah. He checks his pocket watch and it says 46 hours to go. Doesn't even have time on it. Yeah. It's so good. It's That's amazing. extremely funny. And then he reminds him that the the bomb that killed his wife and kid was was meant for him. And he's like, You son of a thousand <laughs> <Out of> bitches. Nowhere. <laughs> Where he calls him out. The, the devil's just like, yeah, 46 hours. See you guys soon. By the way, remember the, how your your wife and kid's car went splody? Uh, that was the devil's work, bud. <laughs> I just love that that Crept calls him. He's like, you son of a thousand <laughs> son bitches. Of a thousand bitches. <laughs> so many bitches. Oh, my God. Dialogue. Dialogue. It's important sometimes. Yeah. So Bufford fixes up Buster while Martin and Pete sleep. And the human one, whether that's Martin or Pete, I'm not sure, he goes into the bathroom, and then we get our first confirmation that the puppet can absolutely move on its own. 
Absolutely. This whole time we were like, actually, I like that. This guy is throwing his voice really well. And now we're like, oh, no, the puppet is alive. Right. Charles Fleischer is just merely the hand that this puppet named Pete sits on. Yeah. That's it. So so there's your, I don't know, Q plot. I, I don't know where we are anymore. Yeah, I have no idea. Dalton and Busey interrogate Gloria, who reveals that she hired Crepton Mattress, IDing the suspects the cops have been looking for. And Busey's like, wait, aren't they dead? Because for some reason, everybody knows who these two guys are. <laughs> it's like, was there only one article in the newspaper that day? I, I mean, I don't understand. There must have only been one. So she tells them to come to Lake's funeral, and then they'll definitely be there. And then Dalton... <laughs> I can't get over how stupid all this is. It's it's real dumb. <laughs> and then Dalton's all like, hey, Gary Busey, stop calling me Petunia. And he's like, all right, sweet pea. And he slaps him on his ass. And Dalton's like, ah, oh, God. that's harassment. And he's like, file a report. And this yeah, is, this is the movie. Because that needed to happen. I suppose That might actually be a subplot when you think about it. You know what? It, it might explain something later <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> At the funeral. We'll get there. Yeah. I can't believe we're going to say that. There we'll get there. We'll get there. At the funeral, Dalton and Busey interrogate Crepton Mattress, and they tell Busey that they can solve the case, but they need until midnight the next night, so Busey lets him go. I absolutely love how you have this Detective Dalton guy, who's a very intense detective, and he goes, that's it, let's go take a ride downtown, and Busey's like, no, no, no. (laughs) And he keeps talking casually, just ignoring this guy. (laughs) It's fantastic. And then everybody goes in the separate directions and just leaves Dalton in the middle of the graveyard, like, oh, okay, fuck me, I guess. I don't understand why there's so much trust for these two G-men from hell. I don't know. It's amazing. It's like, How we're going to solve this crime. And they're like, we're the actual police. I'm a proper detective. Just right. what's going on? What are we doing here? We're all trying to right. solve I'm, the same I'm crime. I'm Lieutenant Gary Busey, and I'm just going to take your word that you're going you're gonna to find the actual killer by tomorrow at midnight, or I get to take you into custody. Seems like something you would say before you ran for it. You would think, but luckily- William Forsythe looks over and he sees the grave of his oh, dead yeah. wife and dead kid. And he just goes, oh, no, I swear on the grave of my dead wife and dead kid. <laughs> of all the places it's to like, go have well, a that was convenient. I, You know what? Uh, I feel dirty doing this. And this whole movie just deserves just oh, yeah, uh, no. repeat. I, You know, I'm not going to do a fabric salute. I'm Our not. knuckles it's should just be bleeding for this is going entire on. movie. We should be Neanderthals just dragging our knuckles along the ground at this point because of this movie. Yeah. yeah. In fact, we might need to rename it the, the Chris Coppola salute. When it's this bad? When it's a proper just like drag? Oh, man. But yeah, so the the sight of his wife and daughter's graves throws crept into this depression and tailspin of drinking Snob <laughs> Creek. Did you notice that? That the label on the bottle oh, was God, Snob Oh, God, I loved Creek? it so much. What a funny little gag. Ah. Uh, Subtle and probably a big chunk of their budget, but just to rename one bottle because again, very low budget movie. But I'm I'm glad they took the effort and one thing in this whole movie. We always say we really like whenever people give a damn about their job. Yeah, and that that uh the prop man that day he gave a damn. They're like, all right, we're he's gonna, a true prop master. We're gonna change one letter and it's gonna be great. <laughs> Krep continues to drink, going to the grave site where he and mattress. Catch Martin and Pete digging up Lake's body. Right, because there's only one cemetery in town, and luckily this grave of Mr. Lake is right by the grave of the wife and kid that we just learned about seconds ago. Well, we know it is because they did their sidebar from the funeral at the grave, so. Yeah, and what I really appreciate is how you have Charles Fleischer with a hand puppet digging a grave. Yep. (laughs) Things I never thought I would see in my life, and here we are. What I like is how... While they're robbing said grave, it takes a while to dig a grave on your best day when you are a two-handed person without a puppet on it, and you're just digging, and you're digging, you're digging. Right. And Charles Fleischer, with Pete the Hand Puppet, is able to get this gra- this uh, coffin out of the ground and into a hearse all by himself, all in the, the Hollywood magic of editing, if you well, will. <laughs> and these guys just sitting by watching, like, oh, let's see what he does next. I assume next. I assume that the hand puppet is helping. It's like, what's the hand puppet gonna do? I don't know. His muscles are legitimately fucking (laughs) phalanges. They're nothing. That's true. I mean, he was able to sit up in the last scene he was in. So that's because he's got abs of phalange steel. Oh right, phalange steel. It's my favorite kind of steel. That is a James Bond villain in the making, right there. At least the Austin Powers one. Phalange steel. 
<laughs> you see him sitting there with like a stress ball or something. <laughs> Better movie. Oh, absolutely. Meanwhile, somebody's breaking into the PI office and stealing the crystals, but Kraft and Mattress decide to follow Martin and Pete back to Bufford's lab, where they spy from the roof, because that's where you spy from always in these movies. Yeah. There's always a big window, giant skylight yep. on the roof, and then naturally, because they're looking down through the skylight, they're going to fall through it. Of course. And uh, as as they land, they're like, all right, Bufford, you're under arrest. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't kill Lake. I'm a doctor. I, I help life extend. I don't end life. <laughs> right. And then he's also like, wait a minute. The will was destroyed? That means we're not going to get our money. It's all going to go to Gloria. So then it's like, all right, so did you do it or didn't you do it? <laughs> you guys are not giving any answers at all. None. But wouldn't you know it, Buster shows up, robot Buster, and he's like, oh, you two, I'm going to fight you, ah, because I hate you, because you killed me, and now I'm a pink robot. Right. So they all fight, <laughs> and in the meantime are- No, hold on, I actually want to stop you for a second, because when pink robot shows up, he goes up to Mr. Lake, who's now whose body is now laying on whatever operating table's there, because they're going to transfer essence somewhere. Yeah. And- did you recognize what Buster the Pink Robot did when he went up to Mr. Lake? Oh, it was a proper nut shot. It was a proper nut shot, Brian. <laughs> he just <laughs> dropped his metal hand right into his... A pink robot, Bobcat Goldthwait, <laughs> nut shotted a corpse in this movie. Yeah. What? Yeah. Why the hell not? You're absolutely right, actually, <laughs> if I put it that way. I like how this scene ends. He's like, I don't know if you did it or not, bub, but go to this church midnight. See ya. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. They all fight. And and then they basically destroy the entire lab. And finally, they, they get Buster, his robot body, into this vat of boiling something <laughs> or other. Right. The boiling red liquid. Yeah. Whatever that, that is. It definitely is, is not lava or anything like that. It's just boiling. Just it's, I mean, boiling liquid. It's not even that. It's just bubbling, really, because special red. effects. Yeah. Oh, also- it's red jacuzzi. They they also destroyed his actual body, and he's like, my body. That's right, because there is a naked bobcat in this giant- He calls it a mayonnaise jar. Tube. It's true. And then uh, <laughs> Boyford reveals that Buster was working for Lake, and that he was in the apartment when Crept and Mattress killed Buster. So he knows that these guys killed Buster. That's how he got the body for Buster to transfer the essence to the oh pink robot. Oh, my God. Again, it's so complicated. They lean heavily on on David Huddleston for the exposition here again. They have to. He's the only proper actor in this movie. Yeah. And then they're Besides like, Besides yeah. William Forsythe. Right, 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 right. Of course. And that's when they're like- He's very good. Yeah. Meet us at the church. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he's telling everybody. It's like, this scene's over. Okay. okay meet, meet us, us at, at church, church tomorrow. Mid or tonight, midnight. Back at their office, Crept and Mattress find that the crystal's missing. They're like, who's going to look inside a cactus for, for a crystal? And on their way out, they find Cheetah Man, who they're like, uh-oh, this guy, this is the guy that killed uh, Lake, we think. So they tie him up. Maybe. And possibly. They, they interrogate him for the murder, and he's like, no, I fight for good, just like you guys. You know, evil must perish. Well, the thing about this is that we see Cheetah Man escape from the Lake, Mr. Lake murder earlier. Right. And then Mattress grabs a piece of his Cheetah costume. Yes. But here- William Forsythe goes up to him with the piece of the cheetah costume. He's like, oh, we know you fucking did it, bub. He's Wolverine. He's just a, oh, he's a he worse is, Wolverine. I can't believe there's a wolf. He's Wolverine, Wolverine noir. <laughs> That's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> That's my nightmare right there. But he goes up and he's like, oh, this is part of your costume. And Cheetah Man's like, no, nah, dude, I wear only polyester. And William Forsythe's like, he's right. It checks out. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. We we saw your costume rip. We saw it. <laughs> but apparently this doesn't mean anything to the story because we well, need no, to because keep throwing these cheetah herrings all about. They lost that piece when they jumped into the pool. This is another piece from another ripped costume later in the movie. Oh, my God. There's multiple cheetah costumes, what you're saying. There's multiple ripped costumes. This one might not have necessarily been cheetah. Okay. Okay. I tried to care for a second there. And that was on me. Yeah. That, that see, I, I shouldn't have done that. You dug too deep. The landlord shows up, pissed off about the counterfeit money they used to pay for the office space that they got from Buster. That they signed for in two seconds, by the way, yeah. earlier in the movie. And then he's like, counterfeit? I'm going to go beat these boys up. And he does. And while they fight, Cheetah Man gets really bored and he turns on the TV. 
And then the landlord <laughs> picks up the TV to That's smash crap. Extremely, mattress. extremely funny. <laughs> it is very funny. I like that a lot. How there's a fight happening. You see bodies getting thrown about, and Cheetah Man's like shuffling his charity towards the TV. And I had a very good laugh about that. At first, I thought it was like a razor. He's going to try to cut himself free, and then it turned out to just be the remote. And I was like, "Oh, that's great." The thing about this movie is that it's trying to be the Tick. Yes, the Patrick yes. Warburton, the Tick. It has that type of. It, well, it wants to have that type of sensibility. It wants to be goofy, but it and has campy, absolutely. But it's not exactly. It's not self-aware enough. Get yeah, that's the problem with it. I think you're absolutely right. Is self-awareness? Yeah. So the landlord goes to use this TV to smash Crepton Mattress, and what they see on the TV is Weenie Man as a, a TV evangelist. <laughs> evangelist. I can't even... You did great. Thanks. I'm proud of you. Thanks. Words sometimes are hard. Well, this movie is doing fucky things to my brain, so <laughs> I get it. So they're like, all right, Weenie Man, he's got the... the crystal obviously because why is he on earth this jerk so they go to weenie man who they find no problem and they start they start <laughs> interrogating him like hey weenie man you're doing really good for yourself up here huh so they smash his car and he's like no hey don't do that i'm rich i'm on tv my insurance won't cover that and they're like just give us the crystal give us the crystal this all ends they put him in a dumpster they light him on fire they do all sorts of stuff and he ends up no 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 crystal. he lights himself on oh, fire right, because, because he's, he's trying demon. to go back to hell to get away from him but yeah, they extinguish the fire when he tries to teleport himself to hell. And then he's like, fine, I'll just swallow the crystal. And that's when <laughs> right. they hit him a second time with the fire extinguishers, which, for whatever reason, freezes him. Who knows? He he's is... completely frozen. It can't be stressed enough how frozen this man is. He was frozen today. Oh, God. You just made the movie so much better. <laughs> uh, so they tie him to the roof of their car and they... Bring him to the church for their rendezvous with Satan. And everyone else. And everyone else, because they've been inviting everybody. Because he's here. told everybody to go to the church at midnight All right, well, for this meet me at the church grand at reveal. Meet me at the church at midnight. Meet me at the church at midnight. And then they arrive just as the church bell is tolling midnight. It's like literally ding, ding. And they're like, all right, cool. We made it in time for our meeting with Satan. But guess who isn't going to show up for another 10 minutes? <laughs> Everybody's there, though. Uh, Bufford, Dalton, Gloria, Martin, and Pete, the butler, even Cheetah Man. Everybody but Gary Busey, who inexplicably is no longer in this movie. Right. They said that he got suspended for unbecoming behavior of police officer. And yeah. I want to imagine that Gary Busey said, fuck this. The impression I got was that Gary Busey probably just walked off set and they're like, you he know what? Fucked we can, off of set. We can do it without him. <laughs> it's not an IMDb trivia fact. I'd like to think that's exactly what happened, though. I hope so. I hope Gary Busey was the smartest person in this movie and went, no, this is dumb. But for what it's worth, him leaving actually led to some pretty good comedy. It absolutely did. Accusations start flying around. Dalton gets pushed around a lot and told to sit down and shut up. The thing is that Dalton constantly, no matter what William Forsyth says, this is kind of like a, a Poirot-type ending here, an Agatha Christie novelization coming to a head yeah. where everyone's together and he's got to unveil the master plan, except it's really just him saying, yeah, see that broad over there? She fucking might have done it, maybe. It's like the end of <laughs> Instead Clue. Instead of actually breaking it down. Oh, but so much faster and so much They're less British. They're trying to psych you out so many times with this ending, and every time Dalton goes, oh, so this person did it. They're like, shut up, Dalton. He stands up every single time. He says, oh, so is Moida. And they're, nope, sit no, down. No. Every <laughs> time. It's so good. And then finally, Krept says it was Martin, who's the human one, it turns out, that killed Lake. And they're like, all right, it was Martin. Let's take him away. And then Lake shows up. The dead body yeah, dead of Lake. Graydon Lake, dead Mr. Lake walks into right. the church before Satan, might I add, who was supposed to be there at midnight. Satan's late. But it's he not give a damn. He plays by his own rules. It's not Lake though. It's Pete, the puppet in Lake's body. It turns the out puppets as <laughs> oh god, this is fucking nonsense. <laughs> yeah, it turns out that there was like some kid who was in a hit and run, and and Doctor Wefford went to save him, and he didn't have the cloning down yet, so he just put his essence into a puppet, and then. <laughs> This kid went and killed Lake so he could get a new body, and then Dr. Bufford would get the funding necessary to get him into a real body. That's a whole thing. And then at that moment, that's when Satan shows up. Right. Uh, really important to note at this moment, especially for no reason except that we forgot to mention earlier, this is a comic book. Yes. Yes. This is, <laughs> it's written not, by Michael Allred. 
There you go. Not it's only kind is of this like a, a comic book, but yeah. apparently this film is a very faithful retelling of the source material. Michael Allred raves about this movie of like, this is perfect. This is exactly what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which oh. makes me question Michael Allred. Yeah, who's Who's, I mean, he wrote a Silver Surfer run, which is fantastic. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, that's the only thing I knew him from besides now this. And frankly- one for two. <laughs> I, I will say I read the first issue of graphic music. There's only four, and it compiles the entire story of this movie, apparently. And there's several other letter plots beyond what we saw in the movie. But okay. um, yeah, it's like they shot the comic book, except the comic book is, is like so a, much better a, a done. A cult favorite. Like, people actually like the comic quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, it's it's so much better done. I mean, except for the the N word they drop out of nowhere. Yeah, it's a sign of the times. Yeah, the nineties prevalent. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting to say the least. This whole situation, I can only summarize as interesting. So realistically, the way that this movie is going to come to fruition is that we have the essence of a boy that was transferred into a hand puppet that was controlled by Charles Fleischer and then got transferred into a corpse that was dug up by said hand puppet and Charles Fleischer and has now come to this church to confront the devil. Yeah. Is that where we are? Yeah, don't forget that the hand puppet also was the one who killed the man who was then the corpse that he inhabited. That's r- correct. Of course. I can't believe I forgot that. Yeah. Well, you got all that? <laughs> 12 plots. You just missed one of them. 11 out of 12 is pretty good. That's what Meatloaf said. That's way better than Meatloaf math. <laughs> so Satan shows up, and he sends Pete to hell, and that plot line is done. It's over now, finally. <laughs> Resolved just like that. <laughs> he literally just sucks the whole plot into a hole. Yep. <laughs> and then he asks Clefton Mattress for the crystal, and they're like, don't look at us. Weenie Man's got it. And Weenie Man's- right? slowly thawing and trying to get away. And then Satan's like, hey, what the hell are you doing up here? And he's like, <laughs> oh, it wasn't me. It was those two. And, and Satan's just like, yeah, okay. And he digs it. He collimaws the, the crystal. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Reached into his chest, pulled out the crystal. And then bad CGI, Weenie Man is gone. Oh, yeah. Weenie Man just kind of dissolves into a green gas. And then Clefton... And yet, the, still, the green gas looks better than the Robert Goulet devil makeup, because the <laughs> devil makeup is just ha- the upper half of his face. I was going to say, that's like, it. they did that's his all forehead they and, their, and his cheeks, and that's it. Called it a day. They're like, yeah, that's enough. It's great. That's fine. They spent more money on the Camaro than they did his makeup. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I guess in the 90s, that was a new Camaro, so... Oh, no, it was a 69, wasn't it? I don't know. Maybe. I don't care. It might be You're the right. most expensive thing in the movie. <laughs> I'll agree with whatever you say at this point. So Clefton Mattress tells Satan to buzz off. They're not going back to hell with him. And he's just like, okay. <laughs> he's, they're like, we're going to stay on earth and we're going to do good deeds so we can get into heaven. And Satan's like, yeah, okay. Right, so we can not be dogs anymore. He's like, sure. I mean, sure, you guys can you guys can get into heaven. Uh-huh. Wink. He's like, you guys can try as hard as you want, but I'll be waiting for you. Of course he will. Robert Goulet. Robert Goulet. <laughs> And then Cheetah Man is like, you got to do a lot of good deeds. And then Mattress leaves with glory. Then he leaves. Yeah. <laughs> and then I like Cheetah Man's like, hey, you boys have to do a lot of good deeds. Okay, bye. <laughs> it might as well bye be now? like, well, big gulps, huh? Cheetah Man, well, very see important later. to this movie. <laughs> and then Mattress leaves with Gloria to go bowling, and Cleft gives Buster's car to a homeless oh, guy. Oh, God, the bowling thing. You know what? For the bowling thing. <laughs> There it is, because that's a Kingpin reference if I've ever heard one. Yeah, of course. And it's just, it's insanely heavy-handed. I need to break this table in half Karate Kid style. Go listen to Patreon. But, <laughs> uh, oh my God. All right, so. <laughs> it's, and it's like drawn out, too. I have reference. mixed feelings about the bowling thing, because it's heavily implied that they're just leaving to go screw, which which like kind of puts a bow on Mattress's story of being a pervert the whole movie. And the fact that they get in the car... And he's like, do you want to go bowling? I kind of love. Okay. But at the same time, extremely you know heavy-handed. If you got to find something to, if you got to find a silver lining, I'm not going to yuck your yum there on that ending, if that's really what you want to go for. I mean, it's better than going, all right, let's go fuck, but barely. That's pretty fair. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Hey, do you want to go play the Amish boy in the bowling ball? All right, let's do it. <laughs> uh, and that's the movie. That's the movie. That's it. That's that G-Men is. from Hell. 
From 2000, directed by Christopher Coppola. Lil Cage, or Big Cage, we don't know. <laughs> Lil Cage is such a good rapper name. <laughs> other Cage. It is. There it is. Other Cage. Frank's other nephew. Realistically, it's he's a he's a cage-free Coppola. Cage-free. A Whole Foods version of, of a Coppola. I love that. Of a cage. Cage-free Coppola. Well, I don't even know where this reference is going, but I need to just dig for anything, because this movie has destroyed my brain. Yeah. Yeah, that's... um. That's fair. This movie just kind of happens. Yes. It doesn't so much play out as like, wow, this is a really interesting plot. It's just things keep happening. Nothing actually leads to anything else. It's just like this happened and then this happened. It's kind of like a sketch show. It doesn't have a point and it's not funny. It's kind of like mad TV when you think (laughs) about it. (laughs) Honestly, it would be a very good episode of mad TV if they just took all the skits from the episode and then somehow tied them together at the end and said... That's it. That's Mad TV for tonight. What's your feeling about this movie, really, when it's all said and done? Like, watch when you watched it, what was going through your head? And then on, upon reflection of Cheap Men from Hell, where would you say you landed with it? I didn't hate it. I thought it would. It, it could definitely be better, you know? I, it's like, it's not something that I'm like, oh, what a waste of my time. But at the same time, like, did you try? <laughs> It's funny because it's like, all right, so whenever I watch a movie, me and you watch movies differently. Yes. You watch movies usually twice before we talk about them. Yeah. For the most part, right? Usually. I watch it once and I take a shitload of notes as I'm watching it, as you know, and then I usually just think about it. I won't watch anything between watching whatever movie we're about to talk about and the movie before we discuss it. Right. And it's funny because on Patreon, we show the sausage made quite a bit on Patreon. I'm noticing that. I'm listening to some of those episodes. That's true. It happens all the time. And here you go. Here's your sausage made. And while I was thinking about this movie, I kept thinking about the really, really good moments in it because there are so many really, really funny bits. But it's kind of like when whenever you swallow like a ring, like scrub style, the kid swallows the engagement ring or whatever, and they're just waiting for him to shit it out. Yeah. The fact is, is that you're looking for this really nice diamond. But it's literally surrounded by shit. By shit. That you're going to have to sift through. <laughs> and it makes me feel like that's what this movie is, is that there are so many good moments that are just surrounded by garbage moments that just don't make any sense at all. That is the best analogy for this movie ever. It's it's a movie that blows my mind. It's like, all right, uh, if you want another quick analogy, the one thing that keeps going through my head is... Oh, the places you'll go, Dr. Seuss. Because this movie gets to a certain point, and then I started tricking myself into like thinking, like, oh, maybe this is actually pretty good. But then it hits me like, well, this is a pretty mm-hmm. good movie, and it keeps trucking along. Except sometimes you don't, because sometimes you won't. Like that type of thing. <laughs> of <laughs> like you got so close, but then it's just, well, the hangups and bangups are gonna happen to you. <laughs> I mean, it's the whole movie, really. Wow. <laughs> oh man it, it's a weird movie man it's a weird movie it's very weird um it's on youtube if you want to give it a shot that's that's all i can say you can that. give it a shot you know what here let me ask you this this is a question we rarely ever propose to each other would you recommend this movie Ooh, only to a very specific type of person like an enemy would chocolate milk be involved <laughs> <laughs> yes possibly okay so if you have some chocolate milk or you're one of Brian's enemies, then this movie's for you. Yeah. Maybe. Even then, maybe. Maybe. I'm tempted to say I, I'd recommend it. I'm tempted to say it because uh, for the amount of good that's there, there is so much bad. Yeah. But it's a harmless movie. This is a movie that I could see end up being like one of those midnight releases where you go and you yell at the screen for the whole movie. Oh, absolutely. I could see that. It's like the, uh, you know, we'll get there. We'll get there when we go into the super stuff. Okay. Let me ask you, Rotten Tomatoes 1 to 100, where do you think it's going to fall? Does it even have a Rotten Tomato score? It does not. <laughs> Tomato meter not available. <laughs> wow. Okay, I'm usually I'm usually pretty close on those, but that's that's uncanny. Yeah, it is. Uh, the audience score is 20% out of 124 reviews. The only review that I could find on this movie was from Nathan Rabin on AV Club. From September 9th, 2002, at midnight he posted this. So it's not even like he posted it the year it came out. He, he waited two years. And even then he was like, <laughs> all right, I'm going to put the post this at midnight to meet a deadline. 
He says that this movie is adapted from Michael Allred's cult favorite comic book series, G-Men from Hell, and it stars Tate Donovan and Louis Forsyth, as we all know. He says that an air of desperation hangs heavy over G-Men, <laughs> a situation only exacerbated by pointless subplots and shtick-intensive supporting characters like a mad scientist's assistant, Charles Fleischer, who speaks largely through a hand puppet, yep. or a murdered sleazebag, Bobcat, reborn as a homemade robot. Cheap costumes and sets that look like they couldn't withstand a strong gust of wind don't help <laughs> matters, but the film's problems run much deeper than its transparently stingy budget. Listless camp for beginners, G-Men wears its comic book origins proudly, which it does. Yeah. But its real inspiration seems to be those self-consciously naughty off-off Broadway plays whose inspiration begins and ends with genre-mashing titles like Lesbian Vampire Cowboys from Outer Space. Nailed there it. There you go. That's amazing. He tr Yeah, he tries to kind of break it all down, if you will. His last thing he says is, G-Men's bare bones production values are forgivable, but its lack of wit and creativity isn't. Ooh, scathing, but also accurate. He, he got him pretty bad, I, I guess, if you want to say that. Uh, the Christopher Coppola is on Amazon.com. It's there, <laughs> believe it or not. I couldn't believe it either. <laughs> you must be kidding. No, this movie has a 2.8 out of 5. Okay, that's very low. That's okay, okay. Because there's only 13 reviews. <laughs> All right, that's that's expected. This is comically low. 21% are 5 star. Of course. 14% are 4 star. 14% are 3 star. 25% are 2 star. And 26% are 1 star. Wow. So how does that math break down? What is 26% of 13? I don't know. I didn't even bother looking at these. I'm looking at them right now live. I'll give them to you. The uh, five-star review here from June 22nd, 2016. Great movie. Uh, Two-star review from January 18th, 2016. One of those movies you think has to get better, but never does. <laughs> Here's a one-star from August 20th, 2016. I expected nonsense. Oh. That's it. I'd imagine they got it. <laughs> I expected not. Are they upset that they didn't get it? Is that why they one star? It was like, nope, this I, made I, too I'm much I'm unsure. Sense. I'm completely unsure. That's a broken person. And the last one I'll give you is a, it's a two-star review from February 9th, 2016. It says, I only care for full screen movies. I only watched the first few minutes. <laughs> oh, I, I don't even know if this is considered full screen or what screen. I mean, I had a full screen, but it's the square even at that point. It's yeah. what, what's going on with this movie. So, it's on YouTube, damn it. I, I'm... Understanding from that review that if we had ordered it on Amazon, which thank God we didn't, it would have been a widescreen version of the movie. Really? So the one, Better movie. one on YouTube is very full screen. I have a question for you about the one on YouTube. Yeah. Did your audio line up with the actors talking? At the beginning, it did. By the end, it did not. <laughs> oh, good. All right. <laughs> Making sure. <laughs> yeah, that happened also. And uh, you know what? Decided to quit. Not the worst part of the movie. <laughs> I couldn't believe it either. Can we just give this thing a super sub score and forget that we ever talked about this thing? Yeah, we can do that. Um, there is no Kate Podcasters Theater this week, but Keaton Patty's book is out. Go order it. It's phenomenal. I got mine in the mail last week. Holy shit. As is it did I. It's really just a lot of everything that we've talked about here, and I can't promote the guy enough. Follow him on Twitter even. He doesn't even know we talk about him. That's Bites true. Back. His, his Twitter but, is not just bot oh scripts. Oh, my God. His he has Twitter is so all good. sorts of quips, and they're phenomenal. The latest quip that I saw as of today's recording, what is it, Tuesday, whatever it is, days yeah. don't matter, is his rant was, why is Guitar Center's G a guitar? It looks nothing like a G. And then he substituted the guitar with, like, <laughs> Olive Garden, that G, and stuff like that. Just <laughs> And he kept doing it over and over again, and it was so damn funny. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, Keaton Patty, at Keaton Patty on Twitter. He's great. His book is called, I Forced a Bot to Write This Book. AI meets BS. It's very, very good. It is excellent. All right, Dave, let's give this thing a super soft score. Story and motivation. What? What is it? Uh, these G-men escape from hell, and they have to do good deeds so they don't go back. I'm going to go zero. Yeah, I think that's... That's, that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we don't want to go back to hell. But you have to go back to hell. But I don't want to. Also, you have to. But I don't want to. Who knew there, there was a loophole where if you just... Leave hell. Satan can't bring you back. <laughs> right? The Satan is such a bitch. It's ridiculous. Well, he's in therapy, okay? Let's be nice. Heroes. Robert Goulet. Uh, they're <laughs> terrible. They're awful. They solve a crime. They solve and a crime. And the reason they solve the crime is because 
they got the stitching off of Mr. Lake's eyes. They're like, oh, the stitching is the same type of stitching you'd use to repair a puppet. Nailed it. <laughs> and that's dumb as shit. Uh, zero. And also, they killed the man and were literally in hell. Yeah, zero. Villains. Who? I guess Satan. But is he? I don't know. Who's the villain in this movie? I have no idea. I'm going to go zero. I, ge- that I, discussion. Would, I guess it's the puppet. I don't know. I don't know. The puppet's a kid who gets his essence transferred to a, a dead man. That he murdered. A dead man who, who looks like it's like the love child of Dustin Hoffman and Dick Van Dyke or something like that. Yeah. The guy looks weird. It's Barry Newman. Yeah. He looks very weird. Yeah. I think zero is appropriate for, for villain. Consistent movie. Parents or teamwork? I think we need to go teamwork because it's a couple gumshoes here. It's a buddy G-Men movie. <laughs> they kind they do solve the crime. They did. They actually they work together really well. And do they solve it? Because I feel like I feel like when the puppet old man walks in, he's like, "Actually, it was me." Not even that. They got the the string off the man's eyes, the puppet string, so early on in this movie that the rest of it really is just bullshit. But they always had each other's backs. Point two five. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna twist my arm, no, I, fine. I actually, I don't think that teamwork should be super low because they did work together as a team. Okay, I will settle for point five. All right, point five it is. That, that's all I was trying to get out of you. <laughs> oh, good. I'm so glad. <laughs> Female characters. Oh dear. Here we are. Not great. Um, they're in fact pretty bad. There's two of them. It's a zero, or are we going lower than that? We could, but... We probably should. Yeah, we probably should. You're right. I'm going to go negative uh, 0.5. I think that's fair. I want to eliminate everything we just did. <laughs> They're very, very bad. They're very bad. They are props. They are Highly, objects. highly it sexualized. Highly sexualized. Both oh, of them. God. This is, it's bad. There's also only two of them. <laughs> it's true. They do pass the Bechdel test. They absolutely do. Uh, like I said... Barely. Zero. <laughs> uh, I, it still counts. I'll so go zero. I'll, I'll amend that to a zero. zero. That's that's okay. actually important. Yes. Setting. I don't know where we are. I don't know we when don't know we are. We don't know where or when we are. We have no idea. I want a solid zero. This movie just happens. What about hell? Does that count as one of the settings? No, because hell just looked like the like a backstage of like a high school stage or whatever. It looks better than it did lying about. Oh, you're not wrong about that. <laughs> you know what? Point two five to spite Spawn. To spite spawn, I like it. The spite points. Style and tone. It has style and it has a tone. I don't know what it is. I agree. It's all over the place. It is all over the place. It's trying very hard to be comic booky. Um, The amount of Dutch angles in this movie is obscene. It's ridiculous. It's, but it's, it's like, like a, uh, it would eat its own skin. There's so much Dutch <laughs> angling involved. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. This whole movie just, it loves gold. It really does. It's, it's, Weenie Man was a key all along. I, oh, uh, God, I'll go point two five to acknowledge that it has a style and a tone. It, it's all over the place, but yeah. it's trying yeah. really, really hard to be original, I feel it's, like. It is trying. So we'll give it something for that. I will call it the cage bump. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Music. This is the tricky one for me. It is? Because it does have this kind of jazzy, upbeat score to it. Yes, but it feels so canned. It is extremely canned, but I also felt it was appropriate. I felt like this was the most appropriate You're thing not about wrong, this movie. Actually. You're not wrong. It was appropriate that it was canned music. I feel because like I want to go movie point feels with canned. This. Yeah, and this, uh, this, it worked for what it was. It worked. So your argument is that the most self-aware part of this movie was the music. Yes. Okay. Point five. I, I'm for that. I think it's high, but I'm okay with it. It is, but we'll go with it. One-liners. I want to go with a point two five because you son of a thousand you bitches. son of a thousand <laughs> bitches. So, so yeah, good. Yeah. There's also the line when they're trying to get the lease on their office, which is no problem at all. And they ask the, the landlord man who's getting a shoe shot. And they're like, is it a nice office? He's like, define nice. He's like, would I do your mom in it? <laughs> That's a very 2000s like, well, joke. All right. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah. No, point two five is fine, because yeah. Son of a Thousand Bitches Son is of a Thousand Bitches good. is definitely that good, and Evil Must Perish. It's a line. Sure. Fine. Would you count Snob Creek as a one-liner? I would not. It's a very good gag. Okay. Point two five it is. And then finally, impact on the genre. 
it's starting at a zero. Where is it going down? Starting <laughs> is the real at a question. zero. Here's the thing. How much information could you find in this movie, Dave? None. I found one article. I found a single IMDb trivia fact. I don't even know how much money this movie made. Oh, my goodness. There's no okay. record of it. Uh, I think it only aired so once at Comic-Con. Yeah, we're at a zero. Is that Do too we go high? Down? Is that too high? A zero. I kind of think it is. I'm kind of willing to go uh, a full-blown minus one. I think that's appropriate. Done. Sold. There it is. Negative one for the impact on the genre, because what the hell <laughs> is this movie? Oh, my God. That's going to give G-Men from Hell a total Super Stuff score of 0. .75. I'm okay with that. I am, too. <laughs> Weirdly enough. If you said anything between zero and one, I was going to be okay with it. Yeah, that's appropriate. One might have been high. Uh, you're not wrong. Yeah. Still better than uh, apparently The Incredible Hulk, which we need to talk we, about one day we again. We do need I to think. revisit that because we were feeling pretty harsh in those early days. All right. There you go. That's G-Men from is. Hell. We did it. What are we talking about next week? Next week, we're actually going to stay in the same comic brand. We're going to do another Dark Horse comic because, yes, this is okay. technically Dark Horse. Uh, we're going to be talking about Hellboy. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I honestly hadn't looked at our list of what we're talking about next week. We're going right Legitimate excitement. G-Men from hell to hell boy. Fantastic. I love being in hell. It's my favorite thing. Well, there you go. We're there. Have you ever seen Hellboy? I have never seen Hellboy. All right. Very exciting. That should be fun. I've only seen Hellboy once, and I've seen Hellboy 2 a few times. Okay. So I'm actually curious to revisit this one. Yeah. That sounds like an interesting scenario. I'll be sure to ask you why next week. I'll answer why next week. <laughs> <laughs> that gives you a week to think of a good reason. Uh, it won't happen. I'll forget all about this the second we stop recording. Oh, yeah. So until then, I always say rate, review, subscribe, and it kind of sounds canned at this point because I say it every episode. But listen, subscribe because it does it automatically downloads episodes when they release, and it gives us those extra numbers so we can be seen sooner on all these platforms. And rating and reviewing definitely helps us a lot. So if you like what we do here, just do the, those three things. Real easy, real simple. It doesn't have to be a long review. You just be like, these guys are great, and it counts. Or, okay at best, five stars. Yeah. <laughs> or, this is ear diarrhea, five stars, because <laughs> you're just going to reverse it, because that's what happens with the one stars sometimes. Yeah. Uh, consider it your tribute to the one stars. Write the most scathing review, but still give us five stars, and it'll be hilarious. Oh, man, what a challenge. Oh, you know what? We'll read that's those fantastic. on the air. fantastic. If you give us a five-star review and it is scathing, absolutely horrific, I will gladly read them. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, I'll read them. You'll be my new hero. Also, like and follow us on all of the social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at Kicked Podcasters. And check out our Patreon because we've been very busy over there in the last couple months. Oh, yeah, we have. Putting out all sorts of content for Batman Animation and Blurt and Turney and the pull list. And, of course, the not-so-super movies. So check that out. So realistically, the way that the Patreon works is that the not-so-super movies will come out once per month. Yes. That is very much scheduled. The other stuff, it comes out when it's made, and I could promise you there's a lot about to be coming out. Yeah, there's a lot in the chamber. You guys subscribe a minimum $1 per month on our Patreon. We're going to give you content. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. It only feels right yeah. to... Make it worth your while. And with the recent uh, announcement that WandaVision will be dropping on January 14th, is it? 15th? Something like that. 15th. The old one five. Our most recent and our upcoming episodes of The Pull List are going to be great primer for that. So check them out. Absolutely. We released the episode for House of M already, where we kind of dissect that and talk about what it might mean for WandaVision when it comes out. And we will be talking about Vision in the coming month, let's call it. Yeah. Now that we know when it's coming out, we can be a little lazier and do it a little closer release. That's true. Go us. So yeah, uh, check out all of that stuff on our Patreon. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can send them to kpodcasters at gmail.com. Or you can write us on Facebook. We're there. We answer a lot of the questions there. A lot of the questions get right on air from there. Yeah. It's all great. But I guess we're going to see you next week for Hellboy. Same pod time. Same pod channel.
So, Dave, that is G-Men from Hell. Sure is. What do you think happens after the credits? What I think happens after the credits is that uh, we go back to the cemetery scene where Gary Busey and Detective Dalton, whatever his name is, are, yeah. they're staking out the whole thing. So they're like, oh, wow, the G-Men from Hell are going to be here. We need to be here also because <laughs> this movie has no fucking people in it. And Gary Busey starts asking Detective Dalton. He's like, you went to an all boys school, huh? Detective Dalton's like, yeah. To which Gary Busey's like, what was the shower situation like there? Was it all communal? Was it all boys? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and then uh, that actually happened in the movie. Yeah, it did. That actually, that was an actual scene <laughs> in this film, G-Men from Hell from 2000, directed by Christopher Coppola. Brian, what do you think happens post-credits? I think we visit our Facebook page and we have a wed bed behead. Oh, boy. Here we go. We have a wed bed behead on our Facebook page from our listener from the Great White North, Matt Cowan. <laughs> I like how we call him the Great White North. It makes me so happy. And uh, he's he's issuing us a Gary Busey lookalike wed bed behead, where the options are <laughs> lookalike <laughs> Gary Busey, Nick Nolte, or Fire Marshal Bill. Oh my God! All right, teeth are prevalent. Oh, that's really what it is. Yeah, and any one of these three could kill you at any given moment. That's true. So I think I'm going to marry Fire Marshal Bill. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He, he seems to have a. Uh, uh, like duty on his mind more than anything that's true he means well and not much more than that and also he's probably like collecting on disability or something like that because you know <laughs> he's burned beyond nearly recognition yeah. i'm probably going to go to the boneyard with gary Busey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's mostly because i've seen him in comedic roles and i feel like it's all just a great big act a lot of the time yeah and I don't think he so much does an O face as much as a oh face, like the teeth showing. <laughs> I don't know if that's okay. And I'm curious about it, really, okay. more than anything. Yeah. And Nick Nolte, I just don't like. He yeah. looks like a homeless man who got lucky. <laughs> and I'm all for homeless people getting lucky, but not Nick Nolte. But not Nick Nolte, you know? I, I think that's that's a pretty good answer. I also would be killing Nick Nolte, but I think I would be swapping Fire Marshal Bill and Gary Busey. This is we're very different then. Why would you swap them? Oh well, I would marry Gary Busey because he's the pet judge, <laughs> and uh, and you know you'd have a really <laughs> right. good time with Fire Marshal Bill. It would be passionate, uh, spontaneous, unexpected. He's gonna light your light on fire. Yeah, it's gonna be great. I think my issue with Fire Marshal Bill is that uh, that was. Jim Carrey's biggest criticism doing Joe Biden is that it looked way too much like Fire <laughs> Bill. <laughs> so it's one of those like, realistically, do you want to fuck Joe Biden? <laughs> oh, God. No. <laughs> Give me that malarkey. <laughs>